Hi, I'm Andalisi. And I'm Chef James Regato. And in this episode of Essential Cooking, James and I talk with Anais Martinez. Anais is based in Mexico City, where she gives food tours of the region's rich culinary offerings. She's also a food writer and has a blog titled The Curious Mexican. We talk about some of the foods that are unique to Mexico City and why it's a must-visit destination for foodies around the world. So let's talk about your history, uh, your history, your personal history with food that got you to the point of wanting to share and educate people around you about food. Um, Well, I did go to school for it. Um, I went to university. I learned how to cook. I learned how to peel potatoes. I learned the whole thing. And it was, it took me five long years because that's the university was that had a really thorough program. Uh, it took me five years to realize that I never wanted to cook or be in a kitchen. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, like I was there and then I was also working at the same time and I always loved service and I always loved like talking to people, being in the front of the house, um, which is basically what I, exactly what I do now. It's just, um, not in a restaurant. Um, yeah, I saw at some point that I realized that I didn't want to be in a restaurant life. I was not crazy enough to do that, to do that for a living. And so I bumped into this lady who was running futures here in Mexico City. And I was like, please, please just let me work for you. I'll, I'll be the most amazing host. And yeah, I fell in love with the job. Like, like she started the whole thing. And then I just got really curious about it. And I started expanding. And I've been doing it for eight years now. Hmm? Wow, that's a long time to be doing it. Do you it's still a long like? Time. Do you still like to cook for yourself, though? Do you enjoy like cooking, like when it's not so much pressure to do it for a job, like when it's to cook for people you love or your family? I now do it. Like for a really long time, I didn't do it because I just because of my job, I'm always like scouting and going to lots of places. I really didn't have the need, but now I've been getting that basket of fresh produce from this. Uh, project that I work with that they grow vegetables in uh, Xochimilco so weekly I get like tons of veggies and I'm like okay I should cook so now I've been enjoying it again now I can understand though because I was just uh down in uh visiting Mexico City early in January and the quantity and diversity of street food is pretty um for me it was overwhelming because I only had so much space and every day I feel like I almost poisoned myself with consumption <laughs> because there's just too many things to taste. Yeah. And uh, for those that aren't familiar with Mexico City, it's uh, it's unbelievably massive. The sprawl is 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 serious. And Xochimilco is kind of on the south of the city, where I would say like the agricultural um, presence is more known. Would you agree with that statement? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That. So what? That's you, and, and you were telling me too about. Um, your tours, your, your agricultural tours that you're starting down there. And you reminded me that that's kind of where the three sisters method um, kind of comes from. Yeah, well, it comes from all over Mesoamerica, which is like middle of Mexico, which is now Mexico, of course, all the way down to Central America. Uh, it's not like a specific point where you use like the three sisters came up, but we use them a lot here in, in Xochimilco. And it was like common knowledge in like all of this region. But yeah, like nowadays, Lots of people don't do it and they do only monocrop. So the, the this this uh, project that I work with, they're like, no, no, we should just like bring some, like showcase it again. It's like, this is what we, we've done for a long time. 
it's also like people in the countryside, they still do it. They don't even think about it. They're like, oh yeah, you just put them together. Like they work together, like corn, beans and squash and like all the herbs that you get from it. It's like, yeah, like, you know, like the, they don't even think about like, oh, we should do something that's sustainable and work well together. They're just like, this is how we do it. <laughs> I think that's where one, when, when chefs tap into agricultural though and seasonality and understanding why things grow together and how they interact, um, even comes down to pest control, things that you plant together, certain bugs don't like certain flowers and you plant them together and you protect the plants. But when chefs understand the seasonality, I think that the, the food history starts making sense and then the food future makes a lot of sense as well. And I know there's a lot of dishes down there, you know, dishes that you had me eating that the story of how they came to be is so connected to the agriculture. And I think that that was yeah. one of the more one of the more thrilling parts for me was um, was the history lesson that came with your food tour. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part now, like the food history and how like everything came to be, like how we got lives. Because now we can't really imagine like like our normal lives in Mexico city without limes. Like you go to any taqueria and we have like tons of limes and there's no limit. You can just like, go ahead and use like your, your caldos, your tacos, whatever. Like you use tons of limes and we didn't have them until we, the, the Spaniards came over and, you know, like all of these things that we just take for granted or like Chile over in Asia, you know, like they didn't have it. It came from here. So I love, like, I really love when I read, like all of my books are usually like food history and like, like that's it. Like that's my favorite part of the whole thing. And I think that's really interesting because um, that's something that people take with them. Like you, like when I give them fun facts, you're like, Oh, you, did you know that we didn't have limes? That's what they take. And like, I think that's a fun part. Do you find that people over the years since you started doing this have become increasingly interested about the history of food that they want to know a little bit more about what they're about to put in their mouth? Um, I, I would like to think so, but I think it's mostly people just have a list of food things to have, you know, like I want to have a torta de chilaquiles and I want to have um, uh, the best pastor taco. No, like they just come up with the mindset of like, I want the list and I want to check it off. And I think the surprise is, going back with all the information, you know, like, I don't think they come here. It was like, oh, I want to know more about this. Like most people, of course, of course, there's like some chefs and like people who are, they just want to know about this, but in general, they're like, I would just want to have like food and tacos and whatever. And then they come back. It's like, Oh, did you know that there's like Arab tacos and they look like shawarma, you know, like that's like their surprise. Yeah. So our day was spent, I mean, I think it was five or six hours and, uh, it was 18 to 25 different food things that were, you know, put in my hand and into my mouth. Um, the fruit in the market, the different tacos, you know, what can people expect? I mean, I, you know, cause I mean, you obviously do it all the time. I, I am in a whirlwind of all the things that I ate, but what can a normal person expect from your food tour? Like if someone calls you and says, I just, I don't care. Give me the food tour. What is your typical food tour? Um, there usually I have like the, the basic ones. I know it sounds awful to say basic, but they're like, it's like either morning, afternoon or evening. And they're usually like three and a half hours, maybe four hours long. And in all of them, we try to combine like street food with like restaurants or like more established places, because that's what, that's our real lives for us Mexicans. It's like, you don't always go to street stands you don't always go to like restaurants so i think it's a really nice combination of both and also in most of the tours i try to 
introduce people to someone that's like, like a pro, like someone that's like really into their craft. So in the morning one, they usually meet either a, a guy that's like in love with chilies and salsas and he's so knowledgeable, knowledgeable about everything. Or they meet, uh, they meet up with a guy who's like really into coffee and we have like a coffee and chocolate tasting, like a really small uh, thing, like right at the end of the tour. Or you, you get to meet the guys from La Rifa that you, you got to, to meet, which I like, I admire so much. Or in the evening, I, they get to meet a mezcal connoisseur, you know, like that it's, It's just like, okay, you get to see a little bit of the nightlife or the market life and you get to know someone else. Like it's not always about us, the guides, but it's like, okay, this, he's this person who was like really into their craft and they're really cool as well. It's like, get to know people, you know? Yeah. And Larifa, and she's mentioning Larifa is a chocolatier and I've never seen such a close uh, relationship between the grower and the producer. And chocolate is usually regarded as this European product, right? The Swiss, the French, but this is like, they received the cacao from the people that grew it. Uh. They know what the name of the species is. I mean, it was so, it was so like such a singular experience that I came away with the, I, I like look at chocolate differently now. And that's a husband and wife team, right? Larifa. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's that to me is something that that makes Mexico City so special is that you have a little chocolatier shop like that, working with that close with farmers. And then the and then in product is so good that they sell it to Noma. You know, like it's just like very casual. Yeah. Like we just went to Noma and we had our own chocolate at their place, you know? Yeah. So incredible. it's yeah, I know. I really like them. <laughs> and you know, I was really um And it sounds basic, like maybe like all everyone knows it, but the difference between the cocoa drink and the chocolate drink, that was really, uh, I almost felt embarrassed that I didn't know that just walking, walking the earth, but explain, explain to everybody the difference, like what you would, what you would drink and call it, you know, chocolate or cocoa, what I would. Well, I think the main difference is that what we do with the cacao beans in Mexico, what we did before the Spaniards came over, it was to wash all the mucilagos, like the fruit away which is like if you go to anywhere else in the whole world they that is the 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 main part that gives the flavors like all the funkiness or like the nuances in in chocolate you would get them from the fermentation of the pulp and we just like wash it off because what we did is we we had like a really plain base it kind of tastes like a when you try the washed cacao seed like the 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 bean tastes just like a nut kind of like a peanut kind of like a hazelnut really you know like plain because what we did is we used to add lots of spices or flowers or whatever type of things that we would have in different regions to make it you know like more like tasty and we would also just mix it with water first of all because we didn't have cows before the Spaniards came over and second because these drinks um we had them in the southern part of the the country where it's really hot. So you just want something refreshing, kind of like horchata. You didn't want like hot cocoa that you just like, you know, like warms you and whatnot. You're just like, you're in the jungle. You want something that's fresh and nourishes both your soul and your body, you know? Like we didn't want any of the the, the characteristics that we would normally like, look for right now in cocoa. So that was the main thing. So imagine like we had like something that's called pozol, that's like cacao and corn. Something that's like uh, tejate, that's like cacao and like the mamey seed, which is a, a Mexican fruit um, with some flowers and it's like really fluffy and like 
thick and fresh at the same time. I don't know how to like that exists, but it, it is something like that. And we have tascalate, for example, from Chiapas, the hasachiote, you know, the anato seed that we use for cheddar cheese. So it's like orangey, but it has like cinnamon and clove. So it's all of these drinks that we have, like, that, those are just three of the many, many drinks that we have, like uh, made with cacao. That's like the main difference. What I would drink, the coke, the, the chocolate is when you leave the pulp on, you ferment it, and it kind of gets this nuance. Yeah. And then you mix it. Like some- the funkiness and the sour notes that, um, and then you just, usually you mix it with sugar. To become chocolate, you have to mix it with sugar, like cacao with sugar. And that's the thing that you would normally have in milk, you know? Right. And I think it's really funny because when we give people uh, both, you know, like this is a washed cacao and then we give them a drink water-based, just you don't have any other flavor and different with the flavor of the actual cacao. And we give them like the washed one. You're like fermented and washed. And most Americans would prefer the fermented one because that's what they grew up drinking. And that's like, that's what was familiar for them. Like, oh yeah, this is like home. And then what we, but us Mexicans would think of chocolate would be the washed one. We're like, we're drinking and you're like, yeah, this is it. This is my childhood. So I find that really interesting with most of the tours. It's like most Americans would prefer the the fermented one and most Mexicans would prefer the, the washed one. Yeah, for sure. It made me kind of, question like or i guess like i don't just say hot cocoa now i kind of stop and say okay hold on <laughs> like I, it's very specific i can't just generalize yeah where from around the world do you you have your most, uh, the people that you deal with the most that come to get the tours. Is it mostly Americans? And uh, in addition to that, like where from around the world do you get most of your tourists or people that are coming to, to, to learn about your culture and your food? Um, so in the eight years that I've been doing this, it's changed a lot. Uh, the beginning was mostly Australians because, you know, like they love traveling and they love tours and food tours and everything. And then it slowly changed. I think at some point, the New York Times named Mexico City the number one destination to go to. And then it's just like, it changed like that. It was overnight. Uh, It went from being like just 40% of my customers being from the States to like 85. And it stayed that way, like from 85 to like 90% being from the States. Because it's it's such an easy flight, you know, like no matter where you come from in the States, it's just top six hours and it's just direct flights from all over. So yeah, but we do have like every now and then from, I think this past uh, high season we had like from Serbia and we had like from the UK. So yeah, I think we do have some people from all over, but mostly Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I found, I found Mexico city to be such an easy city to get to, but also to navigate the people were so friendly. Like it was, I was kind of in uh, like the opposite of culture shock where I was expecting to have maybe more of like, you know, international travel challenges. And it was, mm-hmm. it was beyond friendly. And obviously I started my week, you know, meeting you and getting the lay of the land, but I spent a lot of that trip alone. And I was just, the second I left, I want to go back. It was a, yeah. it was a really remarkable city there. You know, it happens a lot. Like people come here for the first time and they're like either like a three day layover or they're like for a long weekend. And they end up coming back. It's just like, it's such an easy flight. And then I'm like, the first time I went through all of the touristy spots, just like, check it off my list. And then the second time you get like, 
you get to feel like a local for for like a few days and then the third time they're like oh yeah now i've been to like what locals do and then you know it happens a lot yeah and the green spaces the the amount of parks mm -hmm. i found myself just like wandering around the parks because like every neighborhood has a beautiful unique you know green space and the trees yeah. everywhere yeah it's it's that it, it was amazing that's the main surprise. Like people don't think of Mexico City as like a really green city. And it actually is like lots of like boulevards with lots of trees and, you know, like Chapultepec, which is like almost three times as big as um, Central Park. It's just it's really, really green. Yeah, I agree. So uh, what would you say is uh, what do you think is the most famous taco to come out of Mexico City? Because I feel like I was uh, kind of overwhelmed with the amount of options of tacos. Because I feel like when you go to Tijuana, it's kind of all El Pastor. You go to Oaxaca's, Tagudas. Like, what do you feel like? Baja is obviously the fish taco. What do you think? If someone's there and they can have one taco in Mexico City, what is that taco? Okay, so... You said Tijuana tacos al pastor, but they're not tacos al pastor. They call them adobada and right. they're slightly different, even though they look the exact same as our tacos al pastor, because tacos al pastor are from here. Those are a pride and joy. <laughs> Basically, we have like two. We have that one and we have taco de suadero. Those two are like Chilango tacos by excellence. And like this is going to like get you in problems like in troubles if you go there to Tijuana and say like oh I want to talk about Basura and be like oh yeah we don't have tax ups or we have Adobada you know like they're yeah. always like you know like very clear difference and we would say the same like I would say the same like I love Oaxaca and I would never tell you to have like a good taco al pastor there I would be like oh no like get like let's get anything else and also like going to Tijuana is like don't get the pastor because they have adobada that's good but we have really good al pastor and the suadero which is like you know like so soft and tender because the meat has been like cooking like in the like in fat and water for such a long time that it's just like really nice and tender so those two are like you have to have those two here in Mexico City. Don't go anywhere else. Come here, get those two. So don't say El Pastor in Tijuana. You got to say Adobada. All right. Yeah. Make, even if it says El Pastor on the sign, still say Adobada. <laughs> yeah, well, it's <laughs> weird. I don't know. It's like really, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hard one. Also, if you go to Monterrey or Nuevo León, don't say Adobada. Don't say Tal pastor, say trompo. Yeah. All right, fair. <laughs> I know, I know, it's hard. I know, I know it's hard. We probably, probably got to have a, a whole separate podcast about the taco. <laughs> but uh, but no, this is this is great. I'm uh, if anybody they can find you on anybody can find you on Instagram at the Curious Mexican, and uh, you book <laughs> tours. Pretty much, you have people that work for you, so you can do seven days pretty much year round, right? Yeah, exactly. And we have like. Once a month, we have the sunrise tour, and now we have like the meet the hood, which is like going to different neighborhoods, which are outside of the usual Condesa, Roma, Juarez that everyone goes to. So it's like different things, pop up tours. Uh, but yeah, basically every day we can go to the market and have an amazing experience. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I'm coming back. I'm booking it again. I want to go to Social Milko. I want to see everything. We'll do something different. I promise. All right, good. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you very much. Our thanks to Anais Martinez for joining us. You can follow her blog at thecuriousmexican.com. Thanks also to you for listening. We would like to thank La Marca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. 
Joan Isabella is our executive producer with producer David Lyons. Editing, mixing, and mastering by Sam Bobian. Production support by Studios on the Pond. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station. 